0: How's it hanging, ladies and folks? I'm Chris R. Arbazzo, and this is Chris Does Scald. Scald was a weekly serialized sword and sorcery narrative written and performed by Aubrey Sitterson. And for a time, it was the only story that matters. The only weekly serialized sword and sorcery podcast in all the sundered worlds for a hundred and sixty straight weeks. From March 2015 to April 2018, Aubrey dropped a brand new episode every single Tuesday morning without fail, and did it all in one, single, flawless take. And so, as homage and as tribute, I stand before you today ready to recite the very words that molded me into the person I am now. This is Chris Does Scald. Maul slept. After gorging himself. After his forced journey through the sundered worlds. After a lifetime of unending, unspeakable torment. After having been denied what he deserved. What was rightfully his, Maul was exhausted, and so he slept. But Maul's sleep, though deep, was not untroubled. It was not dreamless. No, Maul was haunted. He was tormented throughout his slumbers. He was harrowed throughout the night, but not by dreams. No, What he saw were not some figments of his imagination. They were not some fevered conglomeration of truths and half-truths. They were not his shattered mind's futile attempts to knit itself back together. No, because what he saw was real. What he saw were visions. Visions of where he had been, of where he had been banished and imprisoned, where the madness had taken him and relinquished its hold upon him again and again and again. But the memories of his time when given over to madness, when possessed by sheer gibbering lunacy, that wasn't what truly afflicted him. Because truly, he had no memories of those times. He had no memories of what he did or what he saw when given over fully to the pandemonium of that hellish realm. And for that, at least, he was grateful. Though truly, he couldn't imagine anything worse than what he did remember. What he saw when he had fought through the madness. What he did when it had loosened its grasp upon him. Maul awoke with his skin scorched and raw. He awoke after having been burnt alive, after having been scalded and roasted. But for what purpose? He had no idea. Was he an offering? Did he survive some brutal attack? Was it simply left over from the conflagration that she, that the witch, that Calaria had called down upon him? The conflagration that had occurred however long ago? He did not know. All he knew was that he was not meant to have been cooked. He was not meant to have been prepared as food, because the slavering jaws that now surrounded him, that sunk their teeth into his flesh, they did not mind that though burnt, though seared, Maul's flesh remained bloody and raw. He was covered in the beasts, in the tiny, howling creatures. Carved in so many that he had to turn his head to see them all, had to turn his head to see how they had enveloped his body. He had to turn his head because as his senses returned to him, as he became aware of this nightmarish, impossible surroundings, as he struggled to put them into some kind of recognizable order, he realized that his vision had been severely impaired. His left eye, Gone. Removed. Flanked on both sides by a jagged, angry scar. Removed by means and for reasons that were unknown to him. Had it been gouged out? Had he torn it out himself in his madness? Had he given it up to someone? To something that would require such a grisly sacrifice? He shuddered as he thought of the only being foul enough to ask for such a gift he struggled to sit up, struggled to force his way through the horde of small, ravenous creatures, the ones who bit him again and again. They bit him repeatedly, endlessly, not trying to kill him. No, they made no effort to hit vital organs, to tear open critical veins or arteries. They bit him because it was their nature, because they knew no other way. Knew no other manner in which to exist, in which to comport themselves. They bit him because they must. They bit him because they had no option. They bit him because they had teeth. So many teeth, and they must be put to use. So many teeth, teeth upon teeth. Layers of gleaming white teeth tearing out of red, inflamed gums. Teeth that broke off in Maul's dried hard and flesh. Broke against the bones they found beneath. Teeth. <laughs> teeth. Teeth that broke in the face of those blue, shifting runes. The ones that twisted and turned just beneath Maul's skin. They broke off again and again, only for more to slide forward, for more teeth, white and gleaming and terrible, to force themselves forward. Teeth upon teeth upon teeth, so many teeth that there was room for little else in their massive heads, so many teeth that the creatures seemed to be all mouth and grasping hands, So many teeth that the beasts, those incorrigible monsters, they had no noses, no ears. They had no eyes. Maybe it was them. Perhaps they, in their jealousy or confusion. Perhaps frightened of the flaming, rage-fueled orbs in Maul's head. Perhaps they had pawed and clawed. Perhaps they had dug one out and perhaps... One lucky creature had managed to force it into his mouth and burst it upon those teeth and those teeth and those teeth, had let its vital juices dribble down its chin until its brethren, until the rest of that swarm of monsters had turned upon him, and, finding themselves desiring, coveting, lusting, had devoured their brother. Perhaps... Perhaps that's exactly what happened. But Maul couldn't know. He could never know. All he knew was that he had to act, and he had to act soon, or else be devoured by those countless, gaping maws, by the slavering jaws that bit him time and time again, or else, stranded in the roiling underneath, further from his goal, from his birthright, further from his throne than he had ever been, or else find himself bleeding out upon that cold, hard, shifting rock. So he began to fight, but covered as he was, barely able to sit up, it wasn't much of a fight. He couldn't move to deliver a proper blow, so instead he flailed. He swung his arms and legs as much as he could. He threw off and kicked what creatures he could, fought until he gained enough range of motion, until he gained enough room to search for a better way. And soon enough, very soon, before the creatures he cast off of him could even recover, he found it. He found it. He found a better way. He found his hammer, found the weapon that he then used for years For decades, until that grotesque stone head was chipped away to nothing, he found his hammer, and he found something else. Deep within his rags, resting upon his heaving, bloody chest, still miraculously tied to the leather tongue that hung from his neck, was that long, twisting alabaster horn. So he started swinging. He started smashing. He started slashing. With hammer and with horn. With knee and with foot. He fought like a demon unleashed upon that hellish landscape. He fought like a man denied what he deserved for far, far too long. He fought like a man whose entire world had been taken from him. He fought like a man possessed. Because that's exactly what he was. The monsters, that swarm, those snapping jaws, infinite in number and in appetite. At first, they didn't heed Maul. They didn't heed his punches, his kicks, or his flailing. They fell to the side. They were knocked off of him, but only by force. And soon enough, they were upon him once again, biting and grasping and tearing as if they had never left. At first, they were fearless undeniable unstoppable but when maul took up his hammer when he took up his horn that swarm of gnashing teeth they knew fear and though they had no eyes they saw their doom rise up before them and that's exactly what maul did He rose up before them, swinging and stabbing, roaring and screaming, his howls melding with the cries of those nameless, speechless beasts, creating a grim, dire harmony, one that sent chills up and down Maul's spine, though the heat of that hellish realm was as unbearable as ever. He rose up among them beating them down, beating the breath out of them, beating them into the ground until they all learned, until they all knew fear. They all knew to fear them all, to fear the one who had risen up from their number, risen up from their midst. He pummeled and slaughtered those beasts until they all knew. Until they all knew to cower in his presence. In the presence of that hulking, burnt, and bloody monster and the grisly weapons that he swung endlessly, tirelessly. He beat them into submission. He taught them fear as he rose up among them and became their leader. It wasn't by choice, however. Maul was a king, yes, he was the one true king of men, the one true king of flames and ashes, but he was not looking for subjects, not there at least. His subjects were elsewhere, his subjects, his true subjects were in the realm of men, but his aspect, his kingly bearing, his very presence, it was irresistible to the denizens of the roiling underneath, and so As must always happen, those hungry, brainless mouths, that swarm of followers, they saw someone bigger, someone stronger, someone better, and they followed him. They followed him across that nightmarish landscape. They followed him through the roiling underneath. They tore through it, They devoured everything and everyone that stood in their way. They marched behind Maul in both his forgotten madness and his horrible sanity. They marched forward because there was nowhere else to go, because every direction was the same. They conquered because there was nothing else to do, because everything they saw was the same. And throughout it all, they followed him because he led, and he led them because they followed. They needed one another. They fed off of one another. Figuratively and literally. Because every time Maul staggered forth out of his madness, every time he learned that it had taken him unaware once again, had cast him into a pit of confusion and darkness, every time he climbed out of it, he found that he was once again covered in bite marks, covered in his own blood and surrounded by those wet red stained mouths they fed off one another and it went both ways because when maul's stomach growled when his undeniable hunger rose when he had to satiate it when he was sane enough to know that he had to do something he would he would reach down he would seize one of those gnashing brainless mouths and he would feed at first it horrified him It disgusted him. It made his stomach turn. But like all things, like all horrible things, he soon grew used to it. He soon grew accustomed to squeezing their throats, to twisting them, to snapping their necks and devouring their twitching bodies. And soon enough, he didn't even bother killing them first as it saved time to simply snatch one up and do as they did. It was more expedient to simply devour them as their jaws continued to snap, a desperate attempt to seize and hold on to the final moments of their miserable lives. And when Maul fed, when he would take up one of his followers and devour them, his followers, those gnashing, endless rows of teeth, they too would hunger. They would fall upon the scraps dropped down from Maul's own mouth, from the jaws that looked increasingly like those of his followers. And when they were gone, when those meager leavings had been consumed, the followers still followed their leader's example and they set upon one another, joining in that brutal, beautiful, primitive, and primal act of cannibalism. The act by which the One feeds the many. The One empowers the many. The many are bolstered by the sacrifice of the One. They would enter a frenzy. They would lose what little senses they possessed. They would set aside their instincts to follow Maul, and they would, instead, feed upon one another until those few that remained could eat no more. Maul's army... His swarm, his legion they would devour themselves. But no matter how many times their number was decimated, there were always more there were always more. There were always more to come. Because whether during his madness or his sanity, he hoped it was in his madness. He hoped it would occur only during times when he couldn't remember. The times he was grateful to never remember. No matter when it occurred, no matter when it needed to occur, Maul would birth new followers would birth new mouths would birth endless row of gleaming white teeth and swollen red gums whether they were the ones he had devoured or some new creatures grown within him he did not know all he knew was that their birth was excruciating he knew that it was unlike any pain he had ever experienced As his head was struck by lightning, by bolts that came from deep within him, by bolts that cracked his skull open, tearing a hole in his forehead just wide enough for them, for his followers, for those creatures, for those gnashing mouths, for those sharpened teeth to tear their way out. They sprang forth from the cracks in his shattered mind, the unbridgeable gaps, the maddening breaches in his very psyche, and they sprang forth fully grown, fully formed, fully starving and ready, ready to bite, ready to eat, ready to march and ready to follow Maul to the ends of creation, to the root of creation, to the root of everything, to follow him through the roiling underneath that is the truth of all that is and the promise of all that isn't. And that's exactly what they did. Their numbers grew, and they grew, even as they devoured one another, even as they fed on one another, even as Maul gorged himself on their numbers, still they grew. Because no matter how many were devoured, no matter how many were consumed, Maul's shattered mind always made more. With every mouth he devoured, his mind became more broken. It split into smaller and smaller shards. It created more and more gaps, out of which those vicious, ceaselessly hungry mouths continued to spawn and proceeded to tear their way through his forehead. He was surrounded. He was engulfed. He was buoyed by his army, by his swarm. Those gnashing teeth encircled him. But Maul kept moving, kept. Doing as he always did, as he always must, he kept moving forward. A seething juggernaut of rage and resentment, he moved faster and faster, but still could not escape the ring of teeth that surrounded him, that threatened to devour him, to consume him, to make him theirs, to make him his. Because as Maul ran, as the edges of his vision blurred with speed and with hate, with misery and madness, those endless snapping jaws became one, became one single pair of jaws, a single gleaming smile that surrounded Maul. It opened wide, gaping and terrible, and it then stretched itself into a gleaming, hateful, sardonic, rictus grin. You've been punished enough. His eyes, those big, black, empty orbs twinkled, his teeth shone unnaturally bright, their light reflecting off those long, twisting, gnarled, velvety antlers. You have been tempered by the flame. You have been hardened, been improved upon, been made better. He spoke to Maul like a proud father. You have been made in my image. He strode forward, growing as he did, towering over Maul, looking down upon him. He reached out and took Maul's head in his hands. He placed his fingers on Maul's temples and his words scalded the savage's soul. They made him quake with anticipation and trembling fear. And now, you shall have another opportunity. An opportunity to take what is rightfully yours and burn all of creation to cinders. Mall sleep was not untroubled. Thanks for tuning in to me reading some other guy's story for 20 minutes. If you dig this retelling, then you owe it to yourself to go check out The Real Thing. You will not regret it. Be sure to follow me on Instagram and Twitter, and while you're at it, be sure to go check out AubreySitterson.com for links to all of his stuff as well. And if that's still not enough fantasy goodness for your ear holes, then boy, do I have some recommendations for you. Dare Ye Enter the Goblin Cave is a storytelling podcast run by my good friend Gavin. Each episode, he and a guest both write a short story based on two prompts suggested by the audience. The genres range from sword and sorcery to laser swords and laser sorcery. Tune into episode 10, Magic Drugs and Sieges, where he and I read some tales and have a dang old good time. Next, I gotta shout out my boys Shane and Connor, who just launched their new podcast, Dungeons and Doobies. The premise is similar, though the subject matter is what really sets them apart. Because when it comes to writing stories, their philosophy is to get as sauced as possible, and with the help of their few remaining brain cells, write some of the most laugh-out-loud, balls-to-the-wall, and dare I say, fucked-up stories you ever did hear. Check out episode 3, Dragons and Helmets, where they and I get sauced and bust some lungs in more ways than one, if you know what I mean. Peep the links in the description for all that good stuff. Thanks for listening. I'll talk at you next time.